superstar, but I'm doing the best I can. Hey guys, this is Kyler Clark, aka Serial Kyler. This is episode three of Audio Confessions of a Serial Kyler, which is a stream of consciousness audio blog and or podcast, whatever you want to call it, uh, which is hopefully full of road stories, thoughts, emotions, and an intimate eye on what it means to be me. Uh, who am I? I am a photographer. I am Alice Cooper's personal assistant, and my life is pretty weird. And, uh, you know, people sometimes think it's interesting. I don't. Uh, today's episode, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I do, kind of. I have an idea. Um, got a lot of questions uh, from the last podcast, episode two, and uh, a lot of good questions. So uh, I'm going to go into some detail and just answer some of those. I think that's kind of what I'm going to do. Well, first of all, I'll describe where I'm at. Um, we have a day off in Birmingham, Alabama. I had a great birthday the other day, the 28th, the day after my last podcast was my birthday. Um, I turned 35, and, you know, it's tough to uh, know what to expect on the road. Sometimes nobody notices. Last year, I got, I, got, I got a cake that was shaped like a guitar that was really awesome. Um, Alice is always great. Cheryl, they always go out of their way to kind of make you feel a little bit of home and a little bit of, uh, um, you know, they make you feel like special and then sometimes nothing happens <laughs> um yeah we've had a lot of birthdays the last couple of days um but yeah mine was great we had a day off on my birthday in um Asheville North Carolina which is a great town I've been there before and it was it, we had a great day um so I really enjoyed kind of having my day off there and um I got a tattoo. That was great. I uh, went to go see Red Rabbit Tattoo. Um, God, what was her name? Uh, yeah, it was Sky at Red Rabbit Tattoo. But I got a tattoo um, that represents a blend of my boys' names. I have two little boys at home. They're uh, four and six. And I got a blend of their names in like a tattoo form. It's like an anchor and an arrow that had a baby. Um, looks great. I love it. Hurt but not as bad as my other tattoos. Uh, anyway, so here we are in Birmingham. It's now 7 o'clock. Actually, maybe 8 o'clock? What time is it? Nope, it's 7. Um, and uh, just kind of farting around. I've been doing meet and greet images and stuff from the last couple of shows. I just did a couple interviews with Alice in his room. Got him off. He's now over to a movie. And um, I'm going to head over to The Nick tonight, which is a, a bar in um, Birmingham. And the original, or not the original band, Alice's touring band, is going to be playing a sort of, Im not an impromptu, but it's a concert that they're going to do tonight. They're going to get up there and do a bunch of songs. So I'm going to go and hang out with those guys tonight and take some pictures. Um, maybe I'll see some of you there. I don't know. Um, there's no way of warning you that I'm going to be there because... This probably won't be posted before they play. So, if you have a time machine, I'll see you there. Come and say hi. So, yeah, I, like I said, I got a bunch of questions from the last uh, podcast, which was really great. Um, so, I'm going to kind of go through them. I, I, I've got lots of ways of getting hold of me. If you're trying to get a hold of me, you can reach me on Instagram. I am at SerialKyler on Instagram. Um, you can find me. I have a Tumblr blog. You search for Serial Kyler. 
Um, you'll find me there. I'm on Facebook, Serial Kyler Photography. Um, and uh, it's pretty easy to find me. So if you would like to submit a question or you have a topic, something like that you want me to talk about, um, great, submit it. I mean, I guess if you're interested in hearing what I have to say, you're listening. If not, you have already blocked my IP address or whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to start with the first question. Actually, um, this is a pretty good question. Steam Powered Passion from Tumblr asked me, uh, sorry if you've been asked this before, but how long did you practice photography before you got a paying job for it? Well... So there's not really a great way to answer this question without sort of sounding stupid, I guess. Um, you know, for me, it's different than it, it would be for anybody else, I think. Um, and I guess it's we all have our own kind of path. Um, I have always been interested in photography and I've done taking pictures. I've, been, I've had cameras throughout my life. My dad gave me his father's camera, which was an old Zeiss icon. Um, it's a really rad camera. It takes um, uh, shoots on 120 film. I haven't had it working in a while. I need to go get it serviced. But um, it's a very old school camera, and you have to be a slave to film to really be good at it. But um, I kind of got into that. I do regret not doing more photography in high school. But I was more into bands and doing stuff like that. So I never really practiced photography in high school, although I, you know, I, I'm not sure if I would really have been interested in it. Um, I did. I was always fascinated by rock photography and um, photographers like um, Bob Gruen was is, was one of my all time faves. Um, I mean Annie Leibovitz and any any of those classic rock photographers who capture moments instead of you know not necessarily fashion photographers, but they're uh, experts and magicians at capturing a moment in time. And that's what I really liked. Um, <clears throat> and so I kind of got into photography as a young person. Um, I kind of had cameras and I would noodle around, um, but I was not necessarily good at it. And I wasn't necessarily passionate about it yet. Um, and it really, I, I didn't really get into that until later. It really wasn't until I moved, um, uh, into the touring world. When I started traveling, um, I, you know, started out as a guitar technician and, um, got the opportunity to tour and travel and stuff. And I was doing guitar repairs and I got a nice camera to take pictures of that stuff because I was doing a website and wanted to have nice pictures and um, and so that's when I kind of really started getting back into photography from my early days, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but really, I think it's all about um, having a passion for an image, and I so that's that's kind of what I what I look for is an image um, or or a moment to capture, and that's kind of really where I focus. And so I would say uh, how long I practiced photography really whenever I started touring I started taking pictures on the road and um, I was doing that before I was Alice's assistant um, I was like I said a guitar tech taking pictures from behind the set and that sort of thing and, and and 
on the days off and that sort of thing. Um, really, once I started taking it seriously and actually be, you know, looking at it as a potential career, um, you know, at that when I when I when I made that choice, when I made that choice to really take it seriously, I was already in a situation where I could take advantage of the the access that I had, and so I've been. I've been with Alice 10 years now and um, that's turned into great access for me um, so as soon as, really as soon as I started doing it I started getting paid for it um, and that's not something that's common I don't think um, I mean a lot of people work really really hard and they bust their butts I'm doing other things I happen to be in a situation where I'm around interesting things um, and I happen to have a nice camera, <clears throat> and I happen to have a passion for it. So, um, you know, but I think the irony is that um, I'm not actually paid by Alice or, you know, the management or anything like that to take photos. Um, that's just something that I do, and um, it just kind of happens. Um, I happen to be here. I happen to have a nice camera. I happen to have, a, you know, this skill. Um, and because I'm doing social media, it makes sense for me to do this stuff. Um, but short of, you know, some, somebody licensing my image um, for a piece of merch or that sort of thing, uh, or the odd the odd magazine using my image, um, I'm not actually paid directly like uh, in relation that, through Alice to do photography. Um, I do license my images on their own. Um, and I do sell prints, and that's really how I get paid um, via photography. Um, but I, uh, my first real gig as a photographer was like a party, um, somebody's random birthday party I think I got paid to do um, only like a hand, handful of years ago. I hope that answers your question. Um, I think the gist, though, is that there's no right or wrong way to do things. Um, there's no like set path and uh, find your style, get out there and do it. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. I always say that. Um, that's, that's kind of it. Anybody can do this. I just happen to be here. I just happen to have a camera and um, I get a lot of practice doing it. I do a lot of practice with meet and greets. I'm doing 500 images from the meet and greet. I take 1,500 images of every show. Nobody on earth has taken more pictures of Alice Cooper than I have. I mean, I'm 100% I'm sure of that. So I know exactly how to get what I want. Um, so I've said this, I think, in my first blog. Just do as much as you can, as often as you can. Um, and just practice. I mean, I, I got probably got a lot more practice in a small amount of time than most people did. Okay, so my next two questions came from Facebook, and um, I'm going to pair these two questions together with one answer because it answers both questions kind of similarly. Um, okay, here we go. This first one is from Tamara Chastain. Um, she basically wants to know about some weird situations and uh, some of the interesting people that I've met on the road and uh, would like me to share a cool or funny story from the road. Um, 
And the other one I want to pair this with is from Andy Christ, also from Facebook. Um, it says, thanks for the entertaining uh, latest audio blog. I am curious about the luggage situation. How do you get all the knives, swords, whips, and riding crops um, through customs? <laughs> Which is a very good, good question. Um, so I'm going to answer the two of these questions. There's an interesting story that involves going through customs. Um, so when I first started working for Alice as a guitar technician, I was, you know, my first tour was going to South America. And basically it was a brand new show. Um, it was the Psychodrama Tour. And we had done a bunch of rehearsals in Phoenix at this, um, at the uh, fairgrounds, I guess. We had, they had their event arena there, or a little um, small arena. And we were doing rehearsals in there. We had a brand new Cold Ethel doll. And Cold Ethel, uh, you must have seen Alice's show if you're listening to this. Alice dances with it, and it's a full-size doll. And the one that we were using on that tour was a reproduction of a stage prop or a reproduction of a movie prop from the movie Death Becomes Her. So it's a full-size doll with Goldie Hawn's face. Um, at the time, we could make Goldie Hawn's face on the doll look like Calico, who was doing Cold Ethel at the time. Um, that was the idea. So, <laughs> so we've got Cold Ethel, and I don't know what I don't know what to expect when I'm touring with Alice. Who knows? I get we get to the airport after doing our rehearsals. Everybody's checking in stuff, and you just check in bags. Like I've got my suitcases, I've got my stuff. Um, but then also there's all this other stuff. There's gear. There's other things. And some sometimes you end up checking like a couple of guitars or if you're flying, you get end up checking like some props. So somebody hands me a big duffel bag. Actually, Alice handed me a big duffel bag. Said, hey, put this with your stuff. And I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm the new guy. Yes, sir, boss. I will gladly check this random duffel bag with my stuff. So I go to the counter and um, hanging out there, waiting to be checked in, guy calls me up. I give him my boarding pass, and I've got my bags. And he goes, "How many bags do you have?" And I said, "I have three. And uh, he goes, um, "Did you know?" And we're going to South America, and they're very strict about you know, did you pack your own bags? Did you, blah blah blah. And of course, like an idiot, I said, "Well, you know, I packed these two because these are mine, but this one I didn't pack." And the guy looks at me, just stares at me, and goes. You didn't pack. Your, you didn't pack that. Is that bag yours? And I go, well, it's like we're traveling all as a group. You know, it's like it's hard to explain. But yes, it's mine. But I, I didn't pack it. You know, and of course, he was not satisfied with that answer. And he goes, well, I'm going to have to look in the bag, sir. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't even know what's in it. Go ahead. <laughs> and picture this. So it is a big black duffel bag, probably like four feet wide, or four feet long. Um, with a zipper down the middle. And this guy plops this thing up. And it's heavy. It's like cold ethyl is made of like dense foam. Um, I wouldn't say it's like super heavy, but it's heavy enough to be kind of awkward. So he lifts it up, puts it on this thing, boom, drops it down on this table. And he unzips this thing and opens it. And there's Goldie Hawn, who looks dead because A, it was death becomes her, so she's dead. Um, but B, we dressed it up to be like um, a dead doll. And so here's Goldie Hawn, and she's folded in half with her her ankles at her ears, <laughs> folded in half, 
looking very dead and very realistic. This guy levitated backwards and up onto the conveyor belt behind. He screeched, and every, of course, everybody who was there to witness it laughed, and uh, it was very funny for everybody except me. Um, and uh, that, you know, that was actually one of the one of the ways that I got the nickname Killer. Um, another one was th- through another customs story. That's another time. Um, <clears throat> so that was pretty funny. We ended up getting through. Obviously, it's a doll. There's no there's no rules against bringing life size creepy uh, dolls stuffed in your luggage. But um, you know, I did get a, a few raised eyebrows going through. That was not fun, but it was very funny. Um, other things, getting things like swords and knives and whips and riding crops um, through customs. Most countries do not have any sort of restrictions on what type of things, if it's an obvious stage prop. If it's in a road cases, most places it's not a big deal for us to bring in knives. Um, I think once in a blue moon somebody's gone through and taken a set of knives, but it's a really obscure countries. Um, the main thing is that you know you just can't bring knives on the plane. Like the T, I, I don't know if you guys follow the TSA on Instagram or or Twitter. It's actually quite funny. Some of the things that people will bring through, um, <laughs> this, you would just not believe what people are trying to bring through, and without even like batting an eyebrow. Like, do you bat an eyebrow or do you bat an eyelash? I bet my eyebrows. <laughs> anyway, um, so we can bring all kinds of stuff in. We cannot bring snakes. So when I'm traveling on an airplane, I cannot bring a snake with me if I'm unless it's a private plane. Um, and then if I am traveling to another country, you absolutely cannot bring snakes. Um, constrictors are on a very uh, tight list. Um, you're not allowed to bring them into most countries. Um, even in the states, they are trying to restrict acts, uh, restrict movement of those animals between state lines. Even because what happens is people will buy them. And use have them as a pet, and then they'll ditch them because they get too big or too hard to like manage, or it's you know whatever a, a hassle, and so they just let it outside, and it just goes outside. And of course, an animal like that, it, it's like letting, you know, a tiger loose, and not not quite as bad, but an animal like that is a very it's a predator. So, um, and and they're very good at hunting, and they will they will eat. And if they have a steady food supply, like a you know a little neighborhood, <laughs> they are going to eat very well. So that's one of the reasons why we cannot bring snakes over. Um, but yeah, knives, swords, whips, riding crops. I mean, you just kind of get weird looks. Imagine I, I don't know if you've ever seen my um, my executioner's mask, but it is a um, it's kind of scary. But it looks basically like S and M wear. So. When I pack that in my luggage, and I've got my I've got Alice's like riding crops and whips and um, you know knives and duct tape, these are things that are you know <laughs> stuff goes through the little scanner and the look on people's faces when they're looking at the screen, going, "What the hell is this guy doing with all this stuff?" <laughs> you know, um, but I've never gotten stopped, so eh. Mm. I guess I could always say, you know, it's Alice Cooper, and they'll go, "Oh yeah, sure, whatever, that's cool." Um, okay, so the next couple questions here. Um, this one is from Coralista27. Hello. How are you? Um, so 
she says, podcast was awesome. Who knew phones could be so frustrating? Yes, hotel phones. I was trying to do interviews today. Again, here I am. Cordless phone. Ancient. Didn't work. Stupid. But they do have plugs next to the bed in this particular hotel, which is a nice bonus. Um, So, is it hard being a musician and being around instruments all the time that you are actually playing and performing with? At the end of my podcast, the last time I mentioned that I was in a band, um, she asked, do I miss playing or is what I'm doing now more satisfying creatively? Um, well, I do miss playing music. Music was a, it has always been a very big part of my life. Um, and I spent most of my young life enthralled in performing and, and writing music. And I was in a band. I was in a few bands, but I went to school for music. Um, and I studied music business management as a, a sort of fallback plan, but I was trying to play music and I'm a bass player and I write songs still. Um, but, uh, for the most part, I, um, yeah, I mean, I do miss it a lot. I miss, I miss being on stage and, uh, that was always really fun. And, um, that's a passion that I've always had. Uh, so I would say that when I was a guitar technician, it was a lot more frustrating because sometimes I'd be working for somebody who didn't really appreciate the fact that they were on stage in front of people. And sometimes, you know, you, you have talented people, and, and I guess it becomes a job, so sometimes people will want to roll their eyes at having to do something. Um, maybe they don't want to learn the songs that they're handed. Um, that can be really frustrating for somebody like me who would, man, I would cut both my legs off to be playing music for a living, are you kidding me? And especially with somebody um, who's successful. You know, I mean, I, I've worked for all kinds of different bands, but there's always seems to be people around who are kind of like, ugh, you know, they just kind of can't be bothered with what they have to do. They have to perform, you know. I guess people want to perform their own music, so whenever you're playing with other people, you know, there's always somebody who wants to have their own thing, and I, I get it, you know. Um, and even in my band, whenever I was in a band, you know, it's really always primarily somebody's band and then there's somebody else in the band who kind of wants to do their own thing. I guess that's kind of natural. Um, but it was it was frustrating sometimes to, to, to not be able to actually perform and, and sometimes know the material very well and still not, you know, and and just just be kind of passed over. And, and, and that can be frustrating. Um but I am very satisfied, and photography has really kind of filled a void for me. Um, not being able to play and being able to perform, photography has perf- uh, really filled that space up a little bit and given me a- an avenue for creativity and stuff, um, which I am really thankful for. I'm glad that I got into it, and that I, you know, that I'm actually decent at it. So it gives me an outlet on the road, which is really important. Okay, um, something else that always comes up, not just on social media or via a question um, is how did I get started in, you know, in the business? And like, how did I get started working for Alice? Um, and I think this is a tie-in to um, what I started out with working at the Cat Club. I went to school for music business in Boston and moved to L.A. with a band that was terrible that shall not be named. Um, those guys left. I, I was in this band for a little bit, and uh, we all moved to LA. Or we all moved to LA together. I lived in Van Nuys, and I was the only person who decided I was going to get a job because I knew, you know, 
you have to have an, you have to have income. And in Boston, I had worked at, at a hardware store, and uh, on top of like doing guitar repair on the side. Um, so I got a job at this hardware store in the Pacific Palisades, and I lived in Van Nuys. And let me tell you, it was a long drive, and I'd have to go over the mountain every day, and go into the go into the Pacific Palisades. But I loved it. I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm you know, I make a life in L.A. And one day I came home from working at my, you know, my job. In uh, I I worked at this hardware store and I ended up working at Sam Ash, so I came home from doing that one day and those guys had packed up. They were already they were threatening to, we were there for six months and they were threatening to go home because they they expected like a label to come and just like knock on the door, and we were like a metal band, you know. There's just it's just not gonna happen. Um, but nobody wanted to get a job. Nobody wanted to do anything. So yeah, I I I just. I went out and got the first job I knew how I could get was working at a hardware store, organizing the bolts. And then I moved away to um, a music store. And then from there, I moved from that to um, a the re- re- rehearsal studio. I worked at um, Cascade and um, I was on, oh man, what was the other? The sound Arena, running the little rooms, rehearsal rooms, bands coming in and out. Um, and then at some point, I ended up working at the Cat Club because I was going in there and getting drunk every night and made friends with the bartender, Kenny Merrill, wherever you are. Hey, buddy. Um, and uh, so I started meeting people through there. And at that time, I started doing guitar repair again. I wanted to get away from doing having like a day job, working in the studio and having a regular gig. And I had this guitar repair background, but I didn't have money to do a, a studio or like a repair studio. Um, and I didn't want to invest all that money but I had all these tools, and I was like, well, maybe I'll just kind of do it on the side and go to people's houses. And I didn't think like, I didn't want to like structure a business like that. It just happened. Um, but I just started doing it, and, and as, I, as I got really, um, I got business cards printed, and I started handing them out, and as soon as I started doing that, I was busier than I could stand within like a week because I had all these connections at the club and to, a, you know, people were coming into the studios that I was working at. And it just kind of happened. And then after that, I got asked to do tours. And I did a few, like, you know, regional tours and, and van tours and helped out stuff. But I, it, and then I worked in the studios as a guitar technician doing, you know, uh, guitar tune ups for uh, albums that were being recorded and bands who were in town and <clears throat> bands who were doing uh, sessions. And I would go in there and organize all the guitars and get them all tuned in, uh, get them all in tune get them all intonated, and I, I used to call it um, balancing out an instrument. There's like three things. you got to intonate it, you have, but the neck has to be properly adjusted, just like a car. You know, you have like, it has to be balanced. And um, if one of those things is out, but the other ones are sort of in, they all affect each other. So you'll never get a guitar to play in tune properly if one of those things is out. Um, and it's about the, has has to do with the player, too. So... Anyway, I, I got became very in demand in L.A. for doing that. Started touring. I got asked to do the Alice tour. I, I was working. Um, I would do setups for this guitar company called Schechter Guitars. I would go in there and do stuff as kind of they needed. And um, one time there was this guy, Chuck Wright, who was a bass player. Chuck was in there, and he was having a tune-up done on one of his basses that was a Schechter bass. And at some point, you know, I, I ended up doing it. And I took him up to the practice room so that he could test it out and see what he thought. 
and give me some feedback on what he needed. And um, we started talking, and I'm like, so, you know, what do you do? Who are, who are you playing with? You know, that kind of a thing. And he started going on about doing this stuff, and he mentioned that he used to play with Alice Cooper. And I was like, oh, man, Alice Cooper. I love Alice Cooper, obviously. Um, he's a legend, but it would be so cool to tour with him just because of all the theatrics and all the stuff that he's got going on on stage. And I was like, you know, I know his Calico, who used to also hang out at the Cat Club, who I was, where I was still working. Um, and I knew kind of the guys, and I'm like, man, I just, I, I've tried to get into that camp, but it's never worked out. Nobody's really been a, you know, they've always had somebody there. Um, and they didn't really have an opening for a guitar tech. And having no real touring experience on that level, um, it was very difficult to kind of get in, understandably. Um, and that was kind of the end of the conversation. Chuck went away. And then out of nowhere, I get a call like three or four days later, and he goes, hey, man, it's Chuck. Um, just so you know, my, my best friend just got the gig as a guitar player in Alice Cooper. They're looking for a guy, and he auditioned, and he got the gig. And he doesn't have a tech, and they said he can bring whoever he wants. Do you want to meet him? And that was Jason Hook, um, who now plays with the band Five Finger Death Punch. He is a monster guitar player and one of the nicest guys I've ever met um, in rock and roll besides Alice Cooper. He's also one of the nicest guys. I've been very lucky. Um, so Jason was a uh, this was a kind of a, a new guy coming in, and I was a new guy coming in. We were great support for each other in that environment. Um, and uh, I went and met him at his storage locker, and he had this boat paddle of a guitar. He's like, do something with this thing. And um, I was nervous as hell. You know, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like, getting into a touring position, a real touring position, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and uh, because I was just all studio, all repair stuff, you know, overqualified for the road stuff. Um, but Jason and I hit it off. And, um, yeah, I dialed in his guitar, and he was like, you're my guy. I'm going to tell him you're my guy. And so I, I, he gives my information to our production manager, whose name is Caesar, who still is a production manager, and this guy Toby, who is still sort of runs a tour. Um, and uh, Caesar's like, mm, I don't know about this guy. And Toby was the tour manager, and I remember emailing Toby, and I just such a stupid move. They used to call me Kermit because I was so green. Um, they, <laughs> I emailed Toby, and I'm like, what do I pack? Because we were leaving, we were going to South America, then we were going to Australia, and then we were going to Europe, and then we were doing this, and we're gone for it was like the it was a huge long tour, um, and it took a lot of time commitment, and I had no idea what to pack. Like I was just a little overwhelmed because I knew what to do with the guitar stuff, but I did not know how to tour. I didn't know what to do. Like, how do you live on the road? What is I never I never really lived on a tour bus. I'd been on them, and I'd been like in and out of the you know. Uh, vans and that sort of thing, but I had never lived with other people on a tour and I had that dynamic. Um, and and so, Brian, I remember Brian Satia is a guitar tech who's still the tech for Alice. Um, he was doing stage right at the time. He was teching for Chuck and um, Carrie Kelly, and I was teching for Jason Hook on the other side. Um, and I was just doing Jason and and. Um, Caesar, the production manager, hooks me up with Brian and says, hey, um, Brian, this is Kyler. He's going to be doing guitars. Um, he's never been on the road at our level before. Um, can you kind of show him show him the ropes? And, and uh, 
Caesar and I were basically, he, you know, he basically just said, okay, yeah, man, you've got all this great guitar repair experience, right? I have a lot of road experience. So if you give me some of that knowledge, I'll give you some of my knowledge. You know, I'll tell you how, tell you how to live on the road and you tell me how to, you know, work on frets and that kind of a thing. And, and we just had a trade. It was a really cool thing. And I mean, he was a, a level guitar tech already. And there wasn't really much I didn't, he didn't already know, but, um, you know, it, it was really cool coming into a situation and having somebody who had your back and like, okay, man, I'm going to show you the ropes. Don't worry about it. But it was very funny. I didn't know what to pack. Um, in fact, I think I lied whenever they said, do you have a passport? Which was very important. And the tour was coming up pretty quickly. I was like, oh, yeah, I got a passport. Yeah, sure, sure. And, like, the next day I went out and, got, you know, got my passport overnighted to me. I didn't have a passport. Um, and uh, I guess in the immortal words of Alice Cooper, I guess you don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. And that does it for me. I am going to go get something to eat. So good night to all you guys and gals out there. Um, thank you for the birthday wishes after the last podcast. I appreciate that really a lot. Um, so thank you. And uh, thanks for all the likes and um, enthusiasm around my photography. I really appreciate it. Um, keeps me going. Keeps me looking for the next cool moment. And um, hope to see some of you guys out there. If you see me on the road, don't be afraid to say hi. I'm friendly. I won't bite you. Um, and that does it. Serial Kyler, signing off. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Audio Confessions of a Serial Kyler. You can subscribe to my podcasts for free via the RSS feed on SerialKyler.com, and you can also find it for free on iTunes. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for an upcoming podcast, please do. You can do so at SerialKyler.com, on Instagram and Twitter at at SerialKyler, or on Facebook by looking up Serial Kyler Photography. Music from my podcast is from the song Superstar by my old band Callahan, and I'd like to thank my bandmates Tom and Brandon for letting me use this track for these podcasts. You can find more Callahan tracks, including Superstar, on iTunes. And finally, thanks to the artist Nate Merritt for giving me permission to use his hilarious drawing of me carrying a sleeping Alice as the cover for my podcast.